Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things. The podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the surprising history of how they came to be. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get this thing going. So I wanted to start today with a story. I spent some time in London in my mid-20s. I was doing a master's program out there. And while I was there, one of my favorite things to do was walk the city itself. Walking London, there's nothing quite like it. It's a beautiful city. It's a hodgepodge of old and new and technology and innovation and arts and music and culture and cobblestone. (laughs) It's just a lot of fun to walk, honestly. So I I loved it. I adored it. And I was really, really lucky to be able to spend a lot of good time there with some friends. So once upon a time, I was on a journey, on an adventure, a walk about London with a friend, and we entered a very posh grocery store in London. I'm not sure if it was a grocery store exactly, or more of like a grocery suite experience. Um, I think the word for that is probably department store. That's probably what it was. The building itself was completely devoid of fluorescent lighting, which was my first clue that uh, everything in this store would be out of my price range. So that and the fact that it had doormen when you went in. So, I mean, that was surprising. This was this was clearly an upscale kind of experience. I first explored this grocery store with that friend. We had been weaving our way in and out of busy streets and the voluminous bookshops off of Piccadilly. And later I came back on my own after we'd kind of had our laugh and gone around and explored. I wanted to come back because I was in search of a birthday gift. My uncles had volunteered to give me some real grown-up perfume for my birthday. Up until then, I'd only ever indulged in the odd spray of free samples. You know the ones that used to come in the mail? The occasional Bath and Body Works kind of thing? Yeah, that's what I do. I still love those, by the way. I mean, they work, but... You know, I was supposed to be growing up, so since I was entering this grown-up territory at the ripe old age of somewhere in my mid-twenties, I decided to revisit this fantastic department store. I wound my way up to the perfumery. Yes, it's a department store that had a perfumery, so clearly, again, out of my league. Everyone was very, very, very well-dressed up. So I wound my way up to the perfumery and proceeded to walk around with the confidence of someone who could most definitely afford to buy things, and I was absolutely not just browsing. So I started looking, smelling, and began to notice that there were no price cards on display. Another clue to how the day would end. Uh, but to be honest, I just I couldn't take it seriously. I mean, it was just... It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I found it funny. I'd never really been in a shop where things were so far out of my league that there wasn't even like a price tag. So it was just fun to kind of mess around, honestly. Um, So I was smelling different perfumes and laughing on the inside. And finally, I confided in one of the gentlemen helping me that I found all of this just a little bit ridiculous at how expensive everything was. And I just have to say and own it. I did the thing. You know that thing that you watch other people do and then you pat yourself on the back and you're like, man, glad I didn't do that thing. That was stupid. Well, I did that. I did that thing where I insulted somebody about something that they're clearly very passionate about right to their face. Like, I just didn't put it together. Like, clearly he works here because he finds it interesting or he enjoys it. And I was being really rude. Um, You know, I should have observed that I was in his workplace and I should have been more tactful. But I have to say that this gentleman was incredibly patient with me and kind. And he proceeded to give me a bit of background on perfume, its creation, its ingredients, which sometimes include whale, by the way, 
and the fact that his family had been involved in the creation of perfumes for a number of years, and he himself made perfumes. It was incredibly fascinating to listen to, and I'm so grateful that he chose to be kind when I was being careless and rude. So in honor of this young man who was kind when I was rude and got me interested in the incredibly fascinating world of perfumery, we're going to have a chat about something that I am grateful for, which is now perfume. Perfumes have been used by humankind for thousands of years, going back to Mesopotamia, ancient Egypt, and the Roman and Persian empires. Perfume has been used for hygiene, ceremonies, and cleanliness, as well as symbols of status and nobility. The very first written record of a perfume maker is found in Mesopotamian records and happens to also be the world's first chemist in recorded history. Her name is Taputi, also known as Taputi I'm so sorry if I said that wrong. She is mentioned on a cuneiform tablet from 1200 BC. The second part of her name, Belatalikim, refers to her position as a female overseer of a palace. Taputi worked with a female colleague whose name was only known as Nina, the first part of her name being lost. Together, they used flowers, oils, calamus, cypress, balsam, and myrrh, to create perfumes using a still, which is also our oldest reference for the usage of a still in recorded history. In Taputi's time, perfumes played an important role in symbolic and religious ceremonies. The burning of perfumes was believed to open a door between men and gods, allowing for communication. These ancient practices of creating perfumes were more a practice of skilled chemistry than just having a nose for making pleasing scents. The preservation of the scent was important and impressive. Archaeologists opening tombs in ancient Egypt reported that perfumes used to surround the bodies in the tombs still held their scents. Today, sadly, we only have one of Taputi's recipes, a recipe meant for the king. Her particular process and recipes have been lost to time, but the still that Taputi used in the creation of her perfumes is still, not the same still, in use today, and is a basic part of chemistry lab equipment. In India, perfumery existed in the Indus civilization beginning roughly in about 3300 BC. In the 9th century, a man named Al-Kindi, and I've got to apologize because I shortened the version of his very beautiful name, which I know I'm going to not be able to pronounce very well, an Arab Muslim philosopher, known as the father of Arab philosophy, wrote a book called Book of the Chemistry of Perfume Distillations, wherein he detailed 107 methods for recipes for the practice of perfume distillation. Today, we still use a practice introduced by an Indian chemist named Ibn Singh. His process extracts oils from flowers through distillation. His experimentation was particularly useful for his work with rose water, which was especially delicate. Perfumes in Europe have been popular since 1212, with monks in Italy using recipes of Santa Maria Novella or Santa Maria delle Vigne. In 1370, Queen Elizabeth of Hungary urged the creation of what became known as Hungary water, yet another perfume. Over the years, France and Italy became the main hubs of perfume production in Europe, which continues today. So where do the whales come in? I promised whales, right? This is not so much the practice now, due to ethical issues and the introduction of synthetic substitutes. However, previously, ambergris was used in perfumes to help prolong the potency of the perfume's smell. 
Ambergris was created as a part of the sperm whale's digestive experience, particularly useful when digesting hard objects. Ambergris is expelled by the sperm whale as they throw it up, and it proceeds to float in the sea, where, after years, it hardens into what can be used in the perfumery process. Ambergris was considered very valuable, particularly as it was in short supply. But as I said, we are no longer using this byproduct of the sperm whale to enhance our perfumes, and I reckon that both the whales and us can be grateful for that. So, why am I grateful for perfume? I don't know about you, but there are some smells in life that just take me right back to a moment, a specific moment in time. Now, this isn't always tied to a perfume, but these memories are tied to a smell. If I could have a perfume that smelled like pine trees, I think I'd almost always be happy. That takes me right back to Christmas, to vacuuming up pine needles after we've bought a tree. And being brought back to a memory can have a lot of power. It can remind you of a person, a place, an experience. It can remind you also of how far you've come. And so I am grateful for perfume. That's one of the reasons. One, I mean, it makes life a lot more pleasant. Two, it connects me back to memories in my past. And three, it reminds me of this experience with this young man who decided to be kind to me um, and be gracious and generous when I was being rude and thoughtless. And I'm just grateful for that. He was kind and I want to be like that. So that's what it makes me think of now. So that's just one reason to be grateful for perfume. Anyways, hope you all have a good day. And remember, we could all smell a lot worse, but we don't. Have a good one.